Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello, how are we all? Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Hannah Sinnott. Hannah tells the story of her beautiful daughter, Cora, who tragically died at 24 hours old after suffering complications at birth. Hannah was extremely brave speaking to me when she did as she was heavily pregnant with Cora's sibling at the time. So I'm even more grateful to her for sharing her time with us all. Hello, Hannah, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Heavily pregnant, uncomfortable, <laughs> but okay, thank you. But looking gorgeous. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You have to say that. I don't, I really don't. <laughs> um, so Hannah, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, you've agreed to come on and tell your story about your lovely daughter, Cora. Um, and I'm just going to basically hand it over to you um, to, to talk away. Um, but my first question is always, um, how did you meet your lovely partner? So your husband, Joe. Yeah, um, we met at university actually. So, gosh, that must have been about eleven years ago. Oh. Um, we were both in our second year of uni, and we basically had mutual friends. Um, met on a night out, got on really well. Um, I kind of knew of him before that, and everyone said, "Oh, he's just the nicest guy." I have um, to be honest; he, really he looks is. like the nicest guy. He's I got know, such a he lovely is. face. <laughs> Yeah, just, yeah, his smile. And he really is. He's so just kind and caring. Um, we hit off straight away. He, um, apparently his brother was best man at a wedding and um, they're really close. And he said at our wedding speech that Joe called him the day after meeting me and said, oh, I met the, the woman of my dreams last night. Oh. <laughs> so he's just so sweet. Um, and yeah, we just, we did just hit it off straight away. Sounds really cheesy, but it was like you know when you know that you've yeah. met the one that you want to spend the rest of your life with it was yep. it was very much that scenario for both of us um and from that night we've not had a single day where we've not spoken we just hit it off straight away and um he asked me on a date and yeah it was it was one of those relationships because we were at uni as well it was very intense quite quickly like we basically were just in each other's pockets and wanted to spend all our time together yeah um, just got on so well um, yeah but I mean amazing you survived uni together and then were able yeah. to kind of continue because I think that's a really intense and tricky period yeah. um, there's a lot of yeah. change and everything going on during that time it but, worked quite nicely actually because we had first year where we were both kind of wild and free and having a great time and uh, whatnot and then second year we could kind of be wild and free but together so it was so much fun like going on nights out and stuff and um you know obviously we would still see our friends we didn't yeah. just we weren't <laughs> or anything, but um you know we had a great time with each other's friends and um it was yeah we just had a great time and then third year you kind of knuckle down a bit more and um had to actually do a bit of work because <laughs> we were sadly um, yeah <laughs> and then um joe actually ended up 
failing uh, telling everyone this failing a couple of his <laughs> Sorry, <Jay>. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah so he, he had to do an extra year um, and at that point we kind of had to have the discussion because he his family were we went to Union Sheffield and his family were kind of based in that area whereas mine were back home I'm from Chester um so it was kind of at that point that we were like right are we going to do long distance or what do we want to do and we kind of just said no we don't we don't want to do long distance so I ended up staying in Sheffield um while he finished his his degree and um I trained to be a teacher at that point so I did a PGCA we got our first little flat together which was really nice just like a tiny one-bedroom flat but we loved like officially living together and stuff and um Sheffield's such a nice city um it's it's like it's got you know it's surrounded by the peaks so it's got all the beautiful countryside whilst also being a really kind of quirky city um so we we loved being there it was great amazing and when did you get married we got married we've been together for five years so 2015 um so he proposed after I think it's about two and a half years which doesn't sound long because we were quite young. Yeah, no, was, that was that was because I feel really old. You <laughs> <laughs> we were young. Yeah, we were. So we, yeah, we were twenty five when we actually got married. So we had a two year engagement wow. just to kind of save up and whatnot. Because gosh, weddings are expensive, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, but we did a lot of it ourselves. Actually, we we um, we made like kind of all the table centerpieces, all the decorations. One of my friends did my makeup. I got my Aww. wedding dress from eBay for like a hundred pounds. Did you? Um, that was a beautiful yeah, like, dress. Sorry, because yeah, I've done my, my usual oh, stalking you. of you before I speak to people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, well, that's what I thought. I mean, you look at some of them, some of these, you know, when you get them from like China, they can be shipped over and they can be disasters. Mm. Um, but this one, because it was from China, it, it was really beautiful. And my mum's um, friend is the seamstress, so she helped it fit and everything. And oh, wow. my friends did the flowers. So we really just did it a lot ourselves. Um, and it was oh, such a perfect day. Amazing. It was really beautiful. Um, so that was, yeah, that was after five years. And then we decided, quite spare of the moment, we always knew we wanted to travel. That was like a big thing that we said before we have a family we want to travel um and we booked tickets to Thailand for our honeymoon for two weeks um I'd been teaching Joe was coming to the point in his job where he was getting itchy feet and we just kind of said well we're getting to the age where we're going to start thinking about children in the next few years so do we want to just travel now so mm-hmm. we ended up not coming back from Thailand oh, my um, God. and we were away for like a year and a half um, so we went, we went traveling to, I think it was about 10 countries, mainly around, um, Asia. And then we settled in Australia for a year, lived with my brother, um, and his Amazing. wife and my two, well, it was just my one niece then. Um, but yeah, we just had the best time and worked in Sydney for a year. And, and did was, I really, we went the day after your wedding? Yeah. Yeah. We so flew you out the day got married and the day after your wedding, you just yeah. went and that was it for and, a year and a half. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. the organization was, involved in that would yeah. have <laughs> Yeah. It was crazy. We had our cars packed with like all the wedding bits and then just these two massive backpacks and it was it was bizarre and it's it made it quite an emotional wedding as well yeah. then because everyone knew that they were saying goodbye. We didn't know how long we'd be gone for. The plan was that we might stay in Australia for quite a few years. So um we ended up not going for as long as we thought in the end, but 
yeah, it was just, it was the best time. We had, we just made so many amazing memories. It was lovely. Oh, well done you. Good for you. Yeah. And were babies always part of the, the plan? Yes, definitely. We, we're both very family orientated. Um, I've kind of always worked with children as well, even from like my year 10 work experience. I mm-hmm. worked in a childcare centre um, and just one of those people that just loves babies <laughs> <laughs> and children, but babies in particular, they just made me so broody. So always knew we would have a family. Um, obviously, I became a teacher and when we were in Australia, I was a nanny for a couple of families and worked in other childcare centres. So, yeah, I've always loved working with children um, and just always knew that I wanted to be a mum. And it was one of those conversations we had quite early on in our relationship. You know, what what do we both want mm-hmm. in the future? And, yeah. you know, travelling was a big thing before settling down. But then definitely settling down and having a family was was one of them. I think Joe, Joe's so laid back. Um, <laughs> I think he would have even enjoyed to have children earlier, but I was trying to be like the sensible one, like, no, we need to, you know, get settled, have our career sorted, save up. So I was um, probably a little bit more sensible about when the right time would be, but we definitely wanted it. Um, both. Yeah. So you made the decision and did it take a long time to conceive? No, it, um, we were we were really fortunate, actually. Um, and I appreciate now after everything we've been through and meeting so many incredible people who have had such difficult times trying for a family. I appreciate it even more that we were so fortunate to get pregnant quickly. Um, I'm very organized <laughs> and I like to plan. So when we did decide... Um, it wasn't like, I know a lot of people kind of make that decision and then they just see how it goes and, you know, just have fun with it. Don't take it too seriously straight away. Whereas we, we kind of like sat down, had the conversation. I went on, ordered ovulation sticks, checked <laughs> my diet, like went straight in. You know, we'd, we'd made that decision that we were going to have the family and I wanted to kind of, yeah, <laughs> have it straight away. I yeah, guess. going all in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we were lucky that it didn't take it didn't take too long. And what was it like finding out you were pregnant? Ah, uh, amazing. Oh, I'm gonna stop crying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, Joe always says it was one of the best days of his life. And you've got a lovely. Out. You actually share a really lovely video on your Instagram. Um, yeah. When I told him, yeah, so lovely. Yeah, he he went out for a dog walk, and I told him the day before I'd done a pregnancy test and it'd come back negative. But um, me being the planner, (laughs) I was like doing it like seven days before my missed period because I was so impatient. So obviously, it came back negative. So I told him, yeah, it's probably not happened again this month. Um, And he was like, "It's all right, you know, we're not been trying for long. It's it's fine." but I just knew something within me knew I was. Um, so then he went out for a dog walk in the morning and I did a, a test that next day and came back positive. So I put the test on on the bed with the little onesie that we'd gone out to buy when we decided that we'd start trying for like a little celebration. <laughs> um, put that out on the bed and yeah, he just walked through the door and saw it and just, what did he say? Yeah, I think he said to me like, no, you know, you're joking. <laughs> and then like ran up to me and spun me around and oh, we were just on cloud nine. For Amazing. A while. Amazing. Yeah. And you had a, a healthy pregnancy. 
yeah, yeah, it was all fine. I mean, um, medically, it was all absolutely fine. I had awful morning sickness. Oh, no. Um, you know, signed off work. I remember Googling at one point if you could die from morning sickness. Oh, no. I honestly <laughs> felt so horrendous. Um, and I didn't even have HG. So I honestly don't know how some people do no, it. No, I know. It's, um, it's so debilitating, oh, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I had to cancel, like, any social plans for you know, like eight weeks, I just, I couldn't get out of bed. So that was awful. Um, but medically everything was fine. Um, it was a low risk pregnancy, um, no issues, healthy, healthy growing baby. Yeah. It's all fine. And you didn't know what you were having? No, we wanted a surprise. So we didn't find out. Joe was adamant we were having a girl. Um, oh, really? He had, yeah. He said he had a dream quite early on. Um, of me like walking holding hands with a little girl that had long black hair Um, yeah so he said he always knew Um, I was pretty adamant that we were having a boy which is strange I just had this weird feeling Um, but I mean obviously we wouldn't have minded what we had but we both said oh we'd love a little girl first yeah Um, but yeah we we wouldn't have minded and can you tell us about your um labor yeah so we because it was low risk uh, we decided to try for home birth um I did hypnobirthing we did a course together um and I did I got the have you heard of the Freya app that you can download no I read that on you I haven't heard of that one no uh, it's really I really recommend it it's um I think it's by the positive birth company yeah no, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got lots of like affirmations on it and um, basically helps you practice your breathing through contractions. So I listened to that throughout my pregnancy um, and felt like fairly calm about going into labour. Um, I think I was mainly excited. I was nervous, but I was mainly excited. Um, and I always say it's really hard telling birth story positively that ends in the way that it does but Mm -hmm. a lot of it was quite a positive experience for me um and I think a lot of that is down to the hypnobirthing I did I think Mm -hmm. I think those those tools really helped um and so I was 10 days overdue when I finally went into labor so you know fed up by that point yeah very desperate to meet baby very uncomfortable um and yeah stayed at home um used the tens machine breathing through the surges as we called them um probably left it a bit longer than we should have by the time we called the midwife but I really didn't want to come out of that zone that I was in Mm -hmm. um so by the time she came um and she gave me an examination to see how far gone I was thinking I really hope I'm about three like I'll be, I'll be happy if I'm three centimeters because, you know, I feel like if I'm any less than that, then this is going to be too hard. Yeah. And it turns out I was six centimeters. Amazing. So I was, yeah, really tough with that. Um, I still felt really calm, you know, in control and everything. Um, and then, so she said at that point, right, let's get your gas and air here. So I'd only just been using the tens machine. Um, and Joe can start filling the pool. Mm-hmm. 
um, there was a problem with the taps. So Joe basically couldn't be with me while he was filling the pool. He had to like hold the taps and the the hose pipe to fill it up, which was really annoying. Because it takes Um, a long time because it's a big pool. Yeah, Yeah. and it took longer than we thought it would. And obviously I was quite far gone by that point. So um, while we were waiting for it to be filled, I started to get some urges to push. which was a bit panicky because I thought, oh gosh, like the pool's not even done yet. I really wanted to have baby in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was about half done. So she said, right, let's let's get you in. Um, and yeah, basically I was pushing for, I mean, time kind of, you lose time a bit, don't you, when you're in labor because mm-hmm. you're kind of in the zone. Um, but I was pushing for a good couple of hours um, and nothing was happening. You know, she kept saying to me, can you feel baby moving, like moving down when you're yeah. pushing? And I, and I couldn't. Right. So we kind of knew something wasn't quite right. Um, so she got me out of the pool. And in hindsight, she should have done an examination then, but she didn't. Yeah. Um, so we carried on pushing in the bedroom. Um, and eventually she did do another examination and it turned out that I wasn't fully dilated okay. um, so I'd been pushing for quite a while um, and she said because of that your cervix is now swollen so okay. um, she suggested going to, to hospital which I was fine with because I thought do you know what it's I'm knackered now been pushing for ages mm. I wouldn't mind the epidural yeah. <laughs> and I'd always said I'd always said you know if I end up having the epidural as much as I wanted to be as you know natural as possible if I have the epidural it's because I'm in pain and I want it and that's Mm -hmm. fine so um so yeah I was more than happy to go to hospital by that point um so they had to you know and it wasn't it wasn't panic stations or anything it was just you need a bit of help um and and baby was fine at this point yes yeah yeah she checked heartbeat baby was fine um so the ambulance came about 15 minutes later. Um, oh, the worst journey ever, because Sheffield, if you know what the roads are like, it's just speed <laughs> bumps and potholes. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it was awful. Um, and the contractions at this point were agonising. And obviously that was my first baby, so I don't know what's normal. I sometimes question whether that was maybe my body slightly in distress at this well, point. Because also, you've, you've gone from being very much in the zone into your own comfortable yeah. environment to suddenly being told something quite scary, um, being told you have to move, get out into the cold. Oh, it was hot, wasn't it? But you got to leave your house, yeah. get into the ambulance, you know, get out of the ambulance, go into a hospital, meet loads of new faces, bright strip lights. Yeah. It's, it's all yeah. kind of, um, you know, you're basically just taking you out of that amazing sort of yeah. zone you've got yourself Definitely. in. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it was very uncomfortable by that point. Um, got to hospital, um, eventually had the epidural. Um, obviously, they taught you through all the, the risks mm-hmm. of having the epidural and whatnot. Um, and, yeah, I remember when it started to work, I just I remember coming back into focus a little bit more. So, obviously, it was a bit of a relief. Um and they put the heart monitor back on and they'd taken it off for the epidural, which apparently in hindsight they shouldn't have done. Um, but they'd monitored her when I got to hospital and had thought everything seems okay. So we'll, we'll take it off at this point. Um, and when they put it back on, her heart started to go a bit, started to dip. So they got me to change 
um, position. So I changed position and then um, came back. So they started the oxytocin drip to help with my cervix. I think that is. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's to help, um, it's to help your contractions and obviously to help um, further dilate you. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, so they started that and her heart rate went again. Um, and that's when they, they pushed the buzzer. They tried my move position and it obviously didn't help. Um, and the room just filled with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really frightening time when the emergency buzzer goes because um, the emergency buzzer is an emergency. So basically everyone who can will, will come and see if they can offer some help. But for, the, for, for you and for, for Joe, that's really frightening because suddenly you've gone from a room with just a few of you in to, to lots and lots yeah. and lots. And um, yeah, no, I can understand that. It still felt quite... <laughs> I wouldn't say calm. <laughs> it definitely wasn't calm, but under control, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and even as they wheeled me off, one of the midwives turned to Joe and said, oh, don't worry, you'll be holding your baby in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we, um, I was wheeled off and I remember thinking, I'm in the best place I can be in. This is, you know, I was trying to stay calm. and. Yeah. Still do my hypnobirthing breathing, which honestly really helped because that situation was obviously very panicky. Um, but I remember just thinking, I'm in the right, I'm in the right place. So, like, thank God I'm not still at home and this has happened. You know, I'm in the right place. Um, we got to theatre and um, they couldn't find the heartbeat. And was Joe with you? Or- um, oh, he, um, he couldn't be with us at this point so poor him had to he, he says they had heart radio station on in this waiting room. <laughs> they had like this cheesy pop music playing and he was just stood there and time kept passing and you knew it was bad and you, you just remember thinking god you just turn this music off like it's yeah. not what I want right now um but yeah, they, they ended up saying, we're going to have to put you to sleep. We need to get baby out straight away. So, they, um, yeah, I just remember everything going black just as the midwife was shouting to another midwife. Like, where did you say your baby was? Oh, oh she couldn't find the heartbeat. So, um, yeah, and then obviously everything went black and I've had general anesthetic before. And it's, it's really disorientating when you wake up. Um, it's literally like someone turns a switch on and off. It just goes black and then suddenly you're awake again. Like there's no passing of time when you're asleep. Yeah. Um, so it's very strange. So I um, just remember waking up and I was so aware of the silence in the room. It was, it was so quiet compared to the kind of shouting of instructions before Mm -hmm. um and no one was like giving me eye contact no one was looking at me and in hindsight it's because joe had said i want to speak to her first right um so joe came in very shortly after and i just knew by looking at him that it was bad news and how how um what was the time between um, Cora being born and, and you sort of coming to? Um, I think it was about 
45 minutes. Okay. Um, I don't know where I've got that number from, so I might have totally missed yeah. that. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I just remember Joe saying, I think, I think he was waiting for about 45 minutes. Um, and yeah, he just, he came in and as you know, we'd clearly been crying, his lips were like a blue colour. Um, and I just remember saying to him, is that baby dead? Um, and he said, no, we've, we've got a beautiful little girl. Um, and we knew we were going to call a Cora if uh, we had a girl. And he said, she's really, really poorly. Um, and I couldn't ask anything else after that. I just yeah. I needed to, like, compose yeah. myself. Yeah. And I remember thinking um, I couldn't breathe properly. I think it was the anaesthetic. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't die and leave Joe with a really poorly baby. Um, and I just remember like trying to concentrate on my breathing and just I was in shock as well yeah no, I think it's yeah, a mixture between of you've just taken on a lot of a lot of information there yeah um so eventually we were wheeled off into a private room um and the um consultant came to see us pediatrician and said I'm I'm so sorry but your daughter's gonna die oh my gosh it was all just so it was such a shock it can't have been real no you know an hour before we had just been told you know 20 minutes and you're gonna be holding your baby and Mm. everything had been so calm at home and we knew we had a healthy baby yeah so just didn't make any sense um and they couldn't give us any answers which didn't help because they were as shocked as us they were as as surprised as us and you know they they couldn't explain what happened um so they ran loads of tests and you know they were trying to they thought maybe it was an infection or um but they they couldn't find any answers which makes it so much harder yeah. to accept have no answers no. um but they took good care of us while we were in there and you know we went to see her um in intensive care she'd um we don't know exactly how long she's been starved of oxygen but they think it was about 18 minutes that it took to resuscitate her once she was out wow and also about 20 minutes from when her heart went to having the operation oh wow yeah the consultant said she'd never um met a baby that had come back to life after such a long time of you know not breathing and not having a heartbeat Mm -hmm. so she was a very strong baby (laughs) yeah Um, and I didn't appreciate at the time how um I guess special it was to have that time with her in intensive care. Mm-hmm. So it was only 24 hours um, until she did die. But that time was just, yeah, so special to, to have and to see her alive. And even though she was obviously on a lot of machines and things, it was, um, yeah, it was amazing to have that time with her. So 
I'm, I'm glad she, she fought hard. Bless her. And was, uh, sorry. Um, so when, when the time you did have with her, uh, were they in effect keeping her alive for you? Um, yeah. So they said, she basically said, you know, she, she is going to die. And if she doesn't, she's not going to have any quality of life. So the kindest thing to do would be to turn off the machines. Gosh. Um, but that's an extremely hard decision to make. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've said, you know, we, we don't want her suffering. Um, so if that's what has to be done, then we will obviously do it. We hoped that we would have a bit more time with her. They said, I mean, they, they obviously didn't know, but they predicted about three days um, and then they would have a better idea of the damage mm-hmm. like, do with the swelling coming down or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we had said, yes, if it gets to that point and she's still as bad as she is, then, you know, we don't want her to suffer. But yeah, she kind of took that decision out of our, out of our hands. Um, I'd, she'd taken a turn for the worse um, the first night. I'm just going to have some. Yeah, go for it. Um, So, yeah, we we were kind of preparing for that the next day. Um, And the consultant said, you know, if you want anyone to be here when she's passed away, then get them here now, basically. Um, Because I don't think she's got much longer. So we called my parents and Joe's um, mum and dad um, and our two best friends, Joe's brother and his partner. Um, and yeah, they, um, they all arrived. I was, it sounds silly, but I, I hadn't, it'd been like three days, I think, or two days since I'd, you know, showered or done anything. So I'd been in labor and then this had happened and we'd spent the day with her in intensive care. So I said to Joe, like, I want to shower. Uh, if she's going to die, I want to have precious pictures that I'll treasure forever where I don't look absolutely horrendous. <laughs> um so we went back to the room and you know started to shower and then again the room filled with people and they said you need to come now she's you know she's not gonna make it so um so I am yeah I ended up jumping out of the shower just <laughs> completely naked running around this room with loads of people um not caring in the world, just like grabbing everything. And, you know, I just had a C-section and yeah. I said, Shall I, can I run? Can I run to the room? And Aww. they said, no, no, you, we'll take you in the wheelchair. It's okay. You've got time. So Did they run? <laughs> yeah, they were. Well, they walked very quickly. Uh, <laughs> um, and we got there just in time. Um, yeah. And were you so, able to hold her? Yeah. So they, they took all the... Um, all the, the wires out and whatnot and yeah put, uh, put her in her arms um which was lovely um but she was she was like gasping for breath as well so she was still fighting bless her even at the wow. end um so she was she took a few breaths um, before she passed away and after she died, were you able to spend time with her? Yes. We um, we had, 
like our own little private room um and obviously my family my parents joe's parents um, and joe's brother and our, our brother and sister-in-law were there so it was lovely we you know took loads of pictures we gave her a bath like just did really normal baby things um to kind of make those memories yeah um took so many pictures i think i've got about 300 pictures just from that day um but it was it's not it must sound really morbid to people who've not experienced it but it it was yeah it was just really special um and the memories that obviously lasted yeah. a lifetime for you so yeah. that's your time so to, make, to make, them. make your memories isn't it so yeah and we had that that evening with her as well we were able to take her back to our room and spend the night together which was really special um and yeah like i say just memories that that will last you a lifetime yeah so with the the bereavement midwife was just amazing and you because if you're not expecting it you have no idea what will happen you know i just kind of thought oh my baby's died now like someone's going to come and take her away yeah. and it's just not like that at all you know they will accommodate you however they can I know some people um take their babies home with them and you know for a week and they're given equipment to help yeah um they really want to kind of honor that time um because it is so healing like you don't know at the time how healing it's going to be in the future um so I'm so grateful that that these professionals know because that's it's not always the case is it and no no generations ago I hate to think how people coped just being um, they wouldn't have even been able to name their babies and they will have just been told to you know forget about it and move on and um it's just not helpful so I was and really I think great. I think we're still learning. I think you know we're always learning about the how how to Absolutely. respect. And were, were you given a, a cold cot for her? Um, we were. We didn't. Um, we didn't use it a lot, to be honest. It felt. I don't know what the word is. It just it felt weird to have your baby because it's so cold. Yeah. Um, obviously. They need to keep it cold for obvious reasons, but you know, you want your baby on you, yep. you want to be doing skin to skin. And, yes. Um, so we, you know, we kept trying to put her in it, and then <laughs> Joe would Joe would go and pick her up and be like, No, <laughs> let's do another cuddle. And um, so we yeah, we did have one, but we knew as well that we were only gonna stay for a day. Um we wanted to get home the next day. So it felt for some people who obviously are planning to spend a number of days you kind of need that cold cut to help um but we felt like because it was going to be a very short time that she sure yeah understand yeah and can you I don't know how to but can you talk about the, the coming home and and you know those first few weeks of grieving for her I think a lot of it I was in shock for a while um just doesn't feel real it's I think I was dreading going into the house um uh my brother and sister-in-law were amazing and went 
um, while we were still in the hospital and cleared everything away. Because obviously we had the birthing cooler. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. So they went and, like, just spring cleaned the house from top to bottom. Um, and they did the right thing. They moved for us. Obviously everyone's different, but they moved all the baby things that we'd set up into her nursery and closed the door, which was the right thing to do, but also so painful coming yeah. back. yeah. To a house that you've left with the Moses basket and the nappy change area and all that kind of set out excitedly we just came back and it was like everything had been erased like we just ramped up the last nine months um so that that's obviously very hard um and we ended up only staying there for a, a night um and then went to my parents took us home to theirs um yeah, I feel like you always need your mom yeah. <laughs> at the worst time and this is no different. So we basically went back to mom and dad's for a good few weeks and they just completely took care of us. And you can't, you can't function really. There's, um, if they weren't cooking for us and, you know, looking out, looking after us, we wouldn't have eaten. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't, you literally can't do day-to-day things. You can't think further ahead than you know a few hours at a time um and I guess that's just a coping mechanism you know you can't think about the future so um you know I couldn't have made any plans for the following week it was literally just wake up in the morning and and kind of survive that day yeah um so it was it was so helpful having family around to basically look after us um to love you yeah yeah because it doesn't feel real for a long time and um there's just so much kind of processing to do and especially when you've got no answers trying to figure out what the hell has happened yeah um and did you ever get any answers yeah so six weeks after we had the post-mortem results um and it turned out that uh, Cora was perfect like we knew she was um but there was an issue with the placenta which would have made her vulnerable um in labor it was something that they were surprised wouldn't have shown up earlier because basically it's called VUE and they said that it would have meant um they would have expected her growth to be restricted okay but she was eight pounds eight so she was a really good size yeah um so basically the hospital said that was the main reason. Um, but of course, investigations are always done into hospitals when a death is unexpected. Um, and that did flag some issues with the care as well, um, which I think if we'd had that care and no placenta issues, everything probably would have been fine. Um, and possibly if even with the placenta issues, if we'd had the correct, perfect care, yeah things might have been different as well so you know that's really hard to accept um the main thing was the monitoring of the heart wasn't done properly so they think that she will have been showing signs of distress earlier but they didn't catch it mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean we've got some answers um that investigation took about seven months as well though so it's not oh wow quick. yeah nothing's quick in this process um yeah it's it's hard waiting for those answers and do the answers help I don't know um 
they they do and they don't, I guess. I think it's helpful to have something tangible, like for this pregnancy, the second pregnancy, um, having the care to look out for the placenta issues yeah. is obviously reassuring. Um, but also knowing that things were done wrong, you know, you're always going to play over those events in your mind and just think, oh, if only, if only I'd said something then or if only we'd done that. Yeah. Um, just yeah. part of grief, isn't it? You want A to dangerous it. cycle to get into. Did, did you yeah. get offered any support um, to help you through those kind of feelings and emotions? We were given kind of, you get a load of packs when you leave. Um, it's very depressing when you leave the hospital and instead of your baby you've got a box of like little bits of memories yeah. and loads of leaflets um which to be honest at first you you can't even look at no, um, of course. but yeah so there's some amazing charities out there um and you're kind of pointed in that direction but you you have a lot of the responsibilities on the parents really to seek that support mm-hmm which I think can be difficult for some people. Yeah. Um, but there, there is definitely support out there. Um, me and Joe have had counselling with Petals, which is a baby loss charity. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, then there's obviously so many like blogs out there and uh, uh, the community that like I found the community, the baby loss community, the most helpful thing yeah. for support. So you've really um, connected through that, have you? Yeah, absolutely. Two of my like now best friends, um, we all met because of our circumstances. They lost their babies in a similar similar way to Cora and at a similar time, um, within a few days, one of them. Oh, so wow. we were kind of grieving the same process. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we talk like every day and that's an amazing friendship. Um and it's so it's such a lonely thing, baby loss. It's so, there's so many misconceptions with it. And, you know, our society really struggles to cope with, with grieving people mm-hmm. after a certain. Yeah. So it's so helpful to have that support and those people that really do get it. Absolutely. Even though I wish no one did. No, um, of course, of course. Um, and you moved houses and cities, didn't you, um, after Cora was born? Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, well, we um, we were obviously still in Sheffield at that point. So, like I said, we'd met at uni there. Um, apart from our kind of travelling and um, Australia stint, we, we came back to Sheffield and we were there for another few years. But um, my family are, and a lot of my friends are still, based around the Chester area. My parents are actually North Wales, um, but that's not far from Chester. And we we were just spending so much time back at my parents. That felt like our sanctuary after Cora died. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I imagine the memories, I feel, yeah. were just too fun. I think yeah. it felt like our lives had completely changed. You know, we'd been turned upside down. And being in Sheffield, everything was just carrying on like normal and it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So I think in a way it felt like we needed this upheaval of our life to kind of represent what was going on in our lives. We couldn't just carry on living in Sheffield, plodding along, doing the same jobs, going out with friends, pretending like everything was fine. Um, so it just, it felt 
like it wasn't the right thing to stay there. Um, and we wanted to be closer to my parents. We'd always said in the future that we would probably end up closer to my parents anyway. Because um, yeah, we are very close to them. But I think that just moved it forwards. Yeah. I mean, just gave us kind of that, you know, that it was after lockdown as well, you know, during the whole pandemic where everyone was so isolated. You yeah. do just think, oh, you know, I want to be closer to my family and you realise what's really important in life. Um, so it was it was heartbreaking leaving. I wouldn't even say the house. It was more just the nursery. Um, I'm, I think we both quite like change. You know, like I mentioned, we went travelling and we yeah. lived in Australia. And like so we don't mind change um so moving cities wasn't too worrying for me and we've got joe's family there so i know that we'll visit again but leaving her nursery after she died i said you know i'm not leaving this house until we brought a baby back into this nursery because we put so much kind of love and um yeah love and energy into it that i wanted to have a baby there mm-hmm. um even if it wasn't Cora, it would have been one, you know, her sibling. So that was really hard to accept that we were going to leave before doing that. Um, but once I kind of got over that heartbreak of leaving the nursery, I knew that it's wherever we are, we will make, you know, a beautiful nursery that will be part Cora's and part her sister's or brother's. Like yeah. it's not going to be. You know, it's just, it's a physical room. It doesn't actually need to mean anything. We will make whatever room beautiful for them. So I kind of got over that. Um, and the move's been really positive. It's been lovely being home. It's been... Well, you've been nice living, so you've been home. living with your mum and dad, which um, to then come out and say it's really positive. I've got a lot of respect yeah. for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we get on really well. We're, we're quite lucky, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, we bicker. <laughs> um but no, it's been great and um, they've been amazing. And while I've been working as well, being heavily pregnant, um, they're both pretty much retired. They, they've they kind of done all our cooking for us and stuff. So it's been lovely. Awesome. Been, yeah, yeah, it's been really nice. So can we um, talk about um, this pregnancy that you keep referring to? So you are heavily pregnant. Um, it's very ex- um, well, is it exciting? How does it feel now? Uh no, I would say honestly, no, it's not exciting for me, but I appreciate it's exciting for other people. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of, I feel guilty saying this because obviously now as well, I, I know more than ever how many people would, you know, do anything to be pregnant and to carry a healthy baby. But I guess since Cora died, pregnancy has just been triggering. Of course. Um, So, and also being pregnant no longer guarantees a baby to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I know this baby is, you know, completely fine at the moment. So was Cora. So it's, it's not been exciting because I don't think I can truly believe until he is, it's a boy. (laughs) Spoiler Um, alert. Until he is here safely. I can't believe that he will be, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Of course and it's not even, I've not been trying to not be excited. If excitement was what, you know, something that I felt, I would absolutely embrace it. But, um, you know, from doing my counselling sessions, 
it's kind of made sense that it's just how I've coped. It's kind of a little bit like denial. I've kind of denied that I've been pregnant. I've tried to ignore it as much as possible so that I can just get to the point where he's here. That's kind of all I care about. Um, and also I've just had a pregnancy like last year. I've, mm. I've had that excitement. I've had that, you know, wonderful experience that ended so badly um, that it's, how can it be exciting? Do you know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. It's yeah. so, what is yeah. um, how how long was it been until you conceived after you lost Cora? Um, it was six months. We were told um, to wait six months for medical reasons after my C-section. Yeah. But if I'm totally honest, we started trying after four because the oh, the desperate need to have a baby in your arms when you should have one already is mm-hmm. just completely all consuming. Um, so after four months, I said, I, I can't wait any longer, but it turned out that it took us till six months anyway. Um, but it's, everyone kind of says different things. So um, some doctors seem to say after four months, it's fine. Some seem to say, you know, you need to wait a year. So it was different with everyone. Um, but physically everything's been fine because I did worry like C-section scar mm-hmm. only six months on might be painful or whatever but it's been it's been fine physically um it's emotionally that's that's been yeah. definitely the hardest part being you know newly postpartum with no baby planning another pregnancy that you can't trust will end well um it's it's very hard and yeah. people people again when I say society I include myself in this because you know if I hadn't been through what I'd been through I know I would be saying the same things as other people because you know we we want people to be happy yeah we want you know pregnancy is a wonderful thing having children is a wonderful thing you want um, we want to fix people yeah absolutely we are yeah we are fixers and you can't fix grief you can't fix what you know baby loss um and I think people struggle to know how to kind of support people after the early days. I think the early days, people are great. I think, you know, everyone rallies around you and wants to support you, but it gets to a certain point And then people think you need to have moved on by that point and mm-hmm. you know, that you should be at a certain point in your, in your grieving process. But um, it just kind of doesn't work like that, I guess. No. Um, and I go- think... Have you found that you've, um, I guess, almost started grieving again going through this pregnancy? Yeah, I've said to Joe as well and my counsellor, you know, I'm very aware that especially when little brother's here, it will probably trigger the grief back to the early days because, you know, I'm going to be in theatre, I'm going to be having a C-section. That's probably going to be quite triggering, bringing back memories. Yeah. Um, you know, holding my baby for the first time, giving him a bath, you know, remembering Cora's bath, remembering the things we did with her and the things that we didn't do with her. I imagine it's, it'll be it'll be magical, but it will be very bittersweet as well. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I guess that's partly why this pregnancy has been so hard as well, because there are so many memories mm-hmm. from Cora's pregnancy and they were such different pregnancies that... Um, yeah, it's really tough. But this time, Joe should hopefully be with you. Yes, 
yes, I'm hoping it'll be a very different experience. It's an elective C-section. Um, a different you know, hospital. Different hospital, yeah. which was definitely needed because at the beginning of the pregnancy, I was back at the same hospital yeah. where um, we had Cora and it was really tough um, being in the same room that I'd had scans with her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and the care that I've had this pregnancy has just been amazing. It's been really reassuring. You know, my consultants very much said, I've ended up having scans every week in these last few weeks. And she Good. just said, <laughs> yeah, she said, medically, you don't need them at all. You know, your baby's absolutely fine. Your placenta seems fine. But it's, you know, your mental health is just as important. As absolutely. Your, yeah. So she's been amazing. Um, and, you know, we've got a playlist for the C-section. Like We're, we're trying to really make it a positive and calm experience. So it should feel very different. Um, but I feel like if they pull him out and he screams, it's just, I feel like I've not let myself believe that'll happen for nine months. So I don't know how I'm going to react. I don't know if I'll be in shock or I don't know if I'll just be hysterically crying with relief and excitement. It's just hopefully going to be amazing. And have you got um, a plan in place to support you afterwards emotionally and mentally? We, um, are still seeing our counsellor through Petals. And do you see um, them, um, your counsellor together? Sometimes, yeah. At the beginning, we did all our sessions together. Um, and then Joe kind of got to a point where he felt like he didn't need them as much as me. So he, um, I had them for a few months on my own. Um, usually they only do six sessions, but because we got pregnant again, obviously, they're aware that's such a difficult time. Absolutely, so. good. So they were really good and said, let's, you know, we're not going to abandon you now. So let's just continue them. And then at the end, as we've got closer to the end of this pregnancy, Joe's anxieties obviously started to increase. So he's joined back in with it. Um, and it's, yeah, they've been invaluable. So good. And I read that well, you... And my parents support as well. Yay! <laughs> in my parents' house, yeah. yeah. And all the home-cooked meals too. <laughs> yeah. Let's not <laughs> I was just going to say, I read that you felt a shift around about 30 weeks with this pregnancy. Can you talk a little yes. bit about that? Yeah, I don't know why it happened. I don't know what it was about 30 weeks. Um, so I know some people say when they've lost a baby before, although the anxieties will never go, um, once they reach that point that they've lost the baby, there's, there's a slight um relief mm -hmm. which makes sense because I guess that's kind of confirmation that yes these are different pregnancies yeah. so there'll be different outcomes um but obviously we don't have that for Cora in this pregnancy because it was labor um so I don't know why it happened at 30 weeks but it it just started to feel a little bit more real when I reached there um even before then you know 20 20 week scan went really well 25 weeks, everything was fine, but I still couldn't um, believe everything was going to be okay. I just, I couldn't believe it. So I just would push it to the back of my mind. I didn't want to talk about it. You know, strangers like to, like to ask questions when they see a pregnant person, I've realized. Yeah. <laughs> I, get asked, I get asked nearly every day if I'm out and about, I will be asked, is this your first baby? When are you due? Um, which probably happened with Cora, but I didn't notice it because I was happy to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas this time, it's been hard to navigate those conversations. How have you answered those questions? 
I've been honest. So if they've asked if it's my first baby, I've said no, because it's not. Um, and then I've usually just said no and waited to see if they've, yeah. you know, continued it, it's which it, they yeah. always say, oh, what have, what have you already got? Or how old's your other one? Um, and, I, and I say, oh, I had a daughter last year. She, you know, she would have been one now, but she sadly passed away. Um, and a lot of people are okay with it. I mean, that you can tell they're a bit awkward, um, but they don't ask anything else. That's literally it about Cora. It's then about this baby. Yeah. Um, there's been a few conversations which have been lovely where they've been like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. What was her name? And they're the conversations that I enjoy the most because, yeah. you know, I do like to talk about Cora. You know, I'm so proud of her and she's my daughter. And, you know, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It tends to be other people's reactions yeah. that make it awkward. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like, well, if you're asking me questions, yeah. then you need to be prepared for honest answers. No good. Um, you're incredibly brave. That's Oh, thank um, you. But, thank you. you know, and it's it's true. It's only by by you doing what you're doing and this, like not this podcast, but you know, this kind of the forum and and the the forum that you've found on social media, people speaking up, that it is going to be able to become more more talked about and less taboo, and um, you know, and we'll know we'll learn how to respond better and, and what people need more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because there are still so many kind of misconceptions out there and whatnot. And I guess it's hard for people as well, because I know people do grieve differently. And I know something that someone could say to me that I might find comforting, someone else might find offensive. Of course, yeah. So I can appreciate that that makes it hard. But I think we, as the bereaved parents, need to be honest and say what we find helpful and unhelpful. Uh Like if you know, if someone says something to me that does upset me, I do, not in a confrontational way, but I do say, oh, actually, I'd prefer if you said this or if you didn't say it like that. So then they know, otherwise they don't know. And that's why it's not talked about because people are scared to say the wrong thing, basically. Um, So I do hope, like you say, with things like this podcast and the community that there is online, um, I hope it does kind of raise more awareness and people become more aware of what's helpful and what's not helpful I guess no absolutely um at the end of the podcast I ask um people the same questions um starting with if you were to have coffee with any any other female fictional um famous uh, family who would it be and why uh well I feel like from what we've been talking about today I would have to say Cora yes. so it kind of comes under um family past future fictional but I would want to have a G&T with Cora at the age of 30 same age as me, <laughs> um, and just yeah find out what she would have been like ask her what her likes and dislikes are what you know her career would have been yeah, yeah just... that makes sense and um your journey so far is there kind of one piece of advice that you can give to others I guess advice is hard because we all grieve so differently. But what I have found and what I would say to myself in the early days is um, seek out support, kind of what I've already mentioned, but support is the best thing to help you on this journey. Um, And that'll be different for everyone. I guess for me in the early days, 
it was just as simple as reading some books on grief and baby loss, finding blogs, um, connecting with people who had been through something similar. And also you've and done then, an awful lot of writing as well, haven't you? Yeah, I found writing really therapeutic. Yeah. So um, and again, that's another kind of connecting with more people and my dog's just scratching to get in. Oh, bless <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, as time moves on, that support changes. And after six months, that's when I started looking into counselling with petals. Um, one of my friends has set up an amazing, um, it's called the Baby Loss Hub on Instagram, where it's basically a massive connection support for this community. Um, so yeah seeking out support because there is so much support out there but unfortunately you do have to find it yourself yeah. which can, yeah but it is out there so um yeah I would say seek out that support whatever that support looks like for you because it will be different for everyone oh, that's amazing thank you and if people wanted to connect with you how would they find you um I'm on Instagram um han h-a-m underscore sinet um and also I have my blog which I've not been as active as I would have liked to have been um but that's I think, I think you've been quite busy though haven't you <laughs> yeah yeah there's been a lot going on um but yeah I always love connecting with other people and um hearing hearing from people and you know them saying you talking about your experience has given us hope and whatnot is kind of part of the reason that I guess I I do it because that's what I needed in the early days. Yeah. I needed to know that there was help out there and that uh, things would get better and that, you know, there was hope for the future and things. So, um, yeah, I'm always happy to connect with people. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for sharing um, Cora with us and, and, and your story. And also, whilst you are very heavily pregnant as well, um, yeah. you've been very kind to talk to me. But we will, um, yeah, we'll keep in touch and, um, and and good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's been an honour. Well, thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Soon, bye. Thank you for listening to Hannah's story of her beautiful girl, Cora. What we don't reveal in the recording is the very next day, Hannah was booked for an elective caesarean. I'm delighted to share that Hannah and Joe safely brought home their beautiful boy Koa a few days later. All is going well and they're busy preparing to move into their new home soon. Thank you again for listening. Have a great week and I'll be back again next Thursday.